I'm Amanda. I'm Denise. I had and a brain the- cell. It took <laughs> off. This is going to be a great podcast. I love it. So glad you're all here. <laughs> and this is Disturbing Behaviors. And we're continuing our conversation on Craig Price, a teen killer, a teen murderer from my home state of Rhode Island. So we'll let you you start because, you know, I'm hearing that high-pitched whine from my brain cell dying, so. Oh, that's got to be rough. So so today I'm going to be talking. Today. <laughs> I do that every time. <laughs> God Today, our audio. <laughs> I just, you know, what's going on is that the person who does our editing is like, "What the fuck is wrong with these people? Like, what is wrong with them? Like, good lord! Here, here's your thirty-minute podcast. Here's your fifty minutes of fuckery." You know? <laughs> this I don't is know what serious, tell you, girl. Juice. I need to jack up my price. <laughs> That's right. It's a shit show, people. There's an admission to be paid. Okay. I'm sorry. Where were we? Oh, sorry. I'm being uh, interrupted by my child. What? I can't understand you. Can can, can you what? I don't care. <laughs> anyway. Is that your iced coffee? We're getting the iced coffee for no. today. She she wanted gummy bears. Anyway, mm, anyway. it's too early for yeah. me to start fucking with my gummies. I got I got to stay up a little bit Not longer. Not those kind of gummies. So, <laughs> so oh, you're well, missing out it's from my case. child. So yeah, I'm not sharing. I'm still playing. Anyway. Oh, very good. <laughs> Today I'm going to be going a little bit more into depth on the crimes of Craig Price. So last week we talked about his childhood, and we're I guess kind of still talking about his childhood since he did his, you know, his most violent crimes while he was a child. So Marie Bouchard went to check on her daughter, Joan Heaton, on September 4th of 1989. She was concerned because she hadn't heard from Joan in a few days. Mary's other daughter, Mary Lou, or I'm sorry, Marie's other daughter, Mary Lou, accompanied her to Joan's house where Joan resided with her two daughters, Melissa and Jennifer. When the pair knocked on the door, they found it unusual that no one answered since Joan's car was in the driveway. Becoming increasingly concerned, the pair decided to enter the residence and take a look around. What they found would send shockwaves through the entire community. And it did. As somebody who from that community, it did. So upon entering the home, Marie and Mary Lou were met with a gruesome scene. Blood was spattered everywhere, and a few more steps would uncover Joan's fate. In the hallway, beneath blood-soaked sheets, was Joan's savagely butchered body. A short venture further into the house would uncover the children. All had been stabbed multiple times with knives from Joan's kitchen. Even police and others at the crime scene found it difficult to hold back tears for this tortured family. Examinations of the body would show that Joan had been bludgeoned, strangled, and finally stabbed a total of 57 times. 10-year-old Jennifer had also been stabbed multiple times, and 8-year-old Melissa had been stabbed so fiercely that the blade had broken off in her neck. Melissa had also been struck repeatedly with a kitchen stool. So FBI profiler, I'm sorry? Yeah, that's stool. 
I mean, he crushed her skull. Can you imagine? Just, I can't, I think that's every parent's worst nightmare to go and find your, it doesn't matter how old your kids are. It it doesn't. You worry about that. And, you know, that's something that never goes away. But I can't imagine walking into like my adult son's home and finding him Mm. deceased. Not just deceased, but like savagely murdered. Violently. I mean, that's when we talked about last week. I I mean, this was Mm -hmm. violent rage and the similarities. That was the other thing too. I know you're talking, you're starting with Joan, but when you get into Rebecca, who was his first victim, she was stabbed 58 times and Joan was stabbed 57 times. And that was another little link in the police chain of trying to figure out like why they're related. But can you imagine the strength it takes to stab somebody 57 times? Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. Uh, and to stab. So to, you know, that deeply the blade, I mean, yeah, to break the blade. Now, I talk a lot about self-defense, especially for women. And I tell women not to carry knives. Knives are personal. You have to get up close and personal to use a knife. And you know, you guys don't know me. I believe in being armed. So for women, I always advocate the use of what we call distance weapons. That's your pepper spray and that's your, your if guns. If you can't find pepper spray, yeah. a really good one to use is wasp spray. That shit will shoot up to 10 feet. And it burns. Mm-hmm. And you have to have a well, lighter. You don't have to I'm have just a lighter. saying it's a portable flame. But, I mean, that shit will hurt your just eyes just as bad as pepper spray. And it goes. Oh, it's yeah, not worse. It goes it's horrible. Feet. So, can't get pepper spray? Mm-hmm. Carry wasp spray. Mm-hmm. So, FBI profiler Greg McCrary was assigned to aid in the investigation. As stated in his book titled The Unknown Darkness, McCrary suspected the killer in the Heat murders was the same person from another unsolved murder from two years prior, in which 27-year-old Rebecca Spencer, who lived in the same neighborhood as the Heatons, was stabbed 58 times. McCrary determined that the killer likely lived in the neighborhood and had probably cut his hand during the frenzied attack. So the following day, police detectives Ray Pendergast and Mark Brandreth were driving through a Buttonwoods Park when Pendergast recognized 15-year-old Craig Price, who had played on the basketball team that Pendergast coached. Knowing Price lived only a few houses down from the Heatons, the detectives decided to ask if Price had seen or heard anything about the murders. Price responded with concern, stating he had seen the police removing the bottle, the bodies, the bottles. He had seen the police removing the bodies from the home <laughs> and had heard. I'm a genie in the bottle, baby. You're so bad. <laughs> Gotta rub you the right way. They're all just standing around rubbing bodies, bottles as these bodies come. Oh, God, we're horrible. We're still going to hell. Feel <laughs> that freshness in. <laughs> Okay, so just add this to my insanity yeah. defense. That's all I'm saying. We <laughs> <They> have evidence. <laughs> They're going to use our podcast at your trial. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going to say. You're all witness to it. My descendant to madness. So 
Price responded with concern, stating he had seen the police removing the bodies from the home and had heard about the murders. Detectives then asked Price about a bandage on his hand, to which Price told a story about getting drunk the night before and punching out a car window. So, yeah. But I want to stop right there. Let's, let's pause this. It's 1989. A 15-year-old child basically confessed to the cops, I was drunk. Yep. Yep. You know, I want you to stop and think about, because I know that we have people who are, you know, born in 89 and later, you know, like. I don't feel old at all. But when, when I was in high school, in that area, when you got busted, there was a packy store. There was a packy store in South Providence that would sell to us. Like literally and I went to I went to a ritzy, like upscale school, which I will gleefully tell you I pissed that entire education away. Becky and I were drunk ninety eight percent of the time. So <laughs> good stories. We have really good stories. But Back then, nowadays, if a 15-year-old told the police detective, oh, my hand's busted because I got drunk and punched out a window, the cop's taking him in, there's DCF is being called, there's all this stuff going on, you know, like there's a reaction. But in 1989, it was like, oh, okay, you got drunk. 15-year-old got drunk. I mean, we would get pulled over and have, you know, beer and wine coolers because oh, we yeah. were so fucking cool we I had wine, wine coolers cooler. bottles of james okay bottles of oh, james that one, called? That one <laughs> like strawberry like what was it called yes boons boons strawberry wine yes that horrible shit so but i remember getting pulled over and getting busted with this shit and they would literally they would make you dump out like three or four bottles if that and then tell you to put the rest in the back of the police cruiser and we're all like yeah we know yeah. the cops taking that shit home like they're oh, drinking yeah. it they're drinking it because they'll make us like dump out like one or two and be like okay you learned your lesson now put the shit <laughs> back of the cruiser and we don't want to see you and here anymore into an empty field and we would just and be like it off. fuck it and go to the next site you know but i mean you just do kind of really cement home like that this was when we are talking about these crimes that have happened in the past it's also very important to look at the the culture of that time frame in that in rhode island in new england you know kids being drunk (laughs) at 14 15 16 years old that wasn't uncommon it wasn't uncommon like i said we knew I was of the time frame that I remember walking into town with one of my friends and she had a note from her mom to buy cigarettes. <laughs> I remember those days. You know, so I mean, that. but, you know, you're talking about this kid and very, and this is how much he didn't fear the police. Yeah. He really did not have any fear of the police, you know, where he was just like, yeah, I got drunk and, and punched out a car. So he's, it's it's interesting when you get into like that psychology of it at 15 to have a plausible enough conversation with authority Mm -hmm. figures you know just again just a little side note on that but yeah i was drunk okay no big deal (laughs) what so pendergast and brandreth were weary about price's story and they decided to check it out they found that no such report about car vandalism had been reported 
They then asked Price to come in for questioning, at which time Price stuck to his vandalism story. They then just asked him to submit to a polygraph test, which he failed. So even though... Yeah. Time. <laughs> so even though no one believed that a 15-year-old child had committed such brutal murders, detectives found out Price had been hanging around a group of kids who were known to burglarize homes. Uh, friends of Price also admitted that Price had bragged to them about killing Rebecca Spencer. So this was the break that police needed to obtain a search warrant. Um, this was the first time he had been plausibly linked to Rebecca Spencer. So execution of the search warrant uncovered a garbage bag in the shed filled with bloody clothes, kitchen knives that were determined to belong to Joan Heaton, gloves, and various other evidence. So, which is interesting. I just want to pause at that point in time because remember in, in our last episode when they talked about it, he stated that he was high on mm -hmm. LSD when he committed that crime. But he was high. But he was cognizant enough. So we're, you know, he had the wherewithal enough to, to take the knives right. back with him. Like to take the shit with him instead of leaving. And to wear gloves. Wait, during the crime? Yes, and to wear gloves. That's the whole other thing, too, where that kind of, sh you know, I don't want to be dismissive of him or, or say, call him a liar, but he knew enough to be have some counter-forensics, you know, not, not bright enough to get rid of the shit because he has to let it at his house, but, you know, he took it away. He knew enough to, not to leave it on scene, which is something a more sophisticated criminal would do. You know, they, you kind of learn as you go. And to be that criminally sophisticated at 15 is terrifying. Yeah. That's the word I come exactly. up with, terrifying. So it wasn't long after the discovery of these items that Price confessed to all four murders. Price showed absolutely no remorse for his actions, and he even mimicked the dying sounds of his victims. It's yeah. creepy. There's no soul in there. Like, it's fascinating when you, you encounter, it's terrifying, really. But when you, you look at somebody who had, had killed an eight-year-old girl, bashed her fucking skull in, yeah, just another day at the office. Like, you, yeah, yeah, more upset that I cut my hand than anything else. It's, it's that, yeah. it's so wild. It's it really so is. wild to me. You know, I just, I, and I think what it is is that we kind of go through in society trying to have faith in, in humanity. And, you know, we're, we really do collectively get angry when somebody mistreats uh, somebody who's elderly or some a child or an animal like we have those kind of categories that we feel should be protected mm -hmm. you know they should be protected you know your great grandma nobody should be messing with the 89 year old late a little old lady uh nobody should be kicking puppies right. you know like these these type of things like we have like we get angry about that and then when you encounter an actual human being who's like, yeah, I don't give a fuck. And I, he does it. He, he did not right. care. Like, and he, whatever, you know? And like, he really had that vibe of like, he yeah. knew the law six years. He, he's doing, I'm sorry. He's doing yeah, five he, years. You know, he even five had the wherewithal years. to brag that he was going to make history. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Yep. 
I'm going to get out and I'm going to be, terrifying. I'm going to make history. Yeah, he didn't care. Yeah, it's five years. He knew, he knew under Rhode Island law that he could only be held until his 21st birthday. And then, and then because he was they were, a minor, they were gonna that goes away. Because he was a minor. So he starts over at 21 yes. on a clean slate. Brand new. Fresh day. Fresh Fresh slate, yeah, clean and new, As if it shiny never new day, like that never happened. Yeah, isn't that madness? It's absolute. Yeah, it's terrifying. So, but what he yeah. told police He's a- was that he had been high on LSD, and he had broken into the Heaton home to rob yep. them. Joan had awoken to the mm-hmm. sound of him tripping over the table, and when she walked into the kitchen to inspect the loud noise. Price said that he panicked and strangled her. Her screams woke up the two girls, and Price grabbed a knife from the kitchen, and he stabbed them. He stabbed all three of them. He then went back to stab Joan. During the struggle, Mm 10-year-old Jennifer had bitten Price's hand, so in retaliation, he bit her face. He then grabbed a kitchen yeah. stool and repeatedly struck eight-year-old Melissa with it. When yeah. Price realized that, that he shit. had cut his hand, he went to the bathroom to get some bandages, not realizing that he had left a blood trail and a bloody sock print, which was obviously later used for evidence. Mm-hmm. And here's here's my whole thing on his his story of he was just going to go rob them. He watched because earlier in the day, Joan had her brother and I believe the brother's girlfriend, or there was two other people who were in the house that day. Craig waited for the male to leave. And he did the same thing when he stalked Rebecca. He waited till she was alone, you know? So I don't know how much I buy the story of I was just going to rob it. I think that that's a possibility because even when you're robbing a place, at least men are more likely to go in and rob a single female because another man there means that there's more chance of an altercation. A threat. Yeah. A man is a threat. When you you talk about deterrence, when they, they when police talk about deterrence for women who want to live alone, you know, you, you heard the story about, you know, put the big work boots outside the front doors. Okay. Mm -hmm. Have a dog, have an alarm. And when they say have a dog and I'm going to piss off every small dog owner here, they mean an actual dog. (laughs) Like a dog that, that that poses a threat. Okay. Okay? In their defense, chihuahuas, they do make make a lot of noise, noise. but chihuahuas can be like little vicious bastards. Yes. But they can also be easily (laughs) punted. If somebody's in there to do harm to you, they're going to do harm to your, to your dog. And I don't, and here's the thing. I love animals. I have five dogs. You know, it's, you know, my dogs, they're, they're big, dumb animals, but you see them running towards you and you don't know them. You're like, I I fucked up. I don't mean to be here. This is the the address. But they talk about having the dog. Yeah. You know, and if you, if you have a gun, you need to be Mm -hmm. educated in how to use it and you need to be comfortable enough to use it. I tell women this, especially when they come over, when we, when we have our, our uh, bullets and barbecues out here at the farm and we talk about, you know, just gun safety and gun training and everything else. If you are uncomfortable with that gun in your hand, yeah. Don't get one. It yep. will be used against you. If you buy a gun 
for personal protection and you are not prepared to pull the trigger, mm-hmm. it's going to get used on you. You're going to be killed with your own gun. And it happens. So, you know, when they talk about those things, like, you know, it make the appearance that there's somebody else there. I remember back in, in the 80s and 90s when, you know, you actually had answering machines yeah. back before voicemail, you know. And you actually had to answer the phone to know who was there. A lot of yeah, I know. Yeah, we didn't have caller ID. We lived fast and wild back then. <laughs> so, but they would tell women, you know, have a man leave, you know, don't don't say you're not home, but have like a man record your message, mm-hmm. your away message to say, you know, hello, you have reached 555, you know. And so I really feel like Craig took his burglary because he was robbing well before he he killed he was breaking and entering so i think he had he knew enough not to break into a home that had people in it i honestly think those intrusive thoughts just built until he decided that he was going to go in there and i really do believe that he went in there with the intention of killing rebecca i don't think it was anything to do with rebecca personally I don't think this was like a vendetta or anything else like that, but it was that I want to know what it's like to kill a person. I think it was that he was going Did drug use impact his cognition and his ability to make good decisions. Probably, Mm -hmm. probably, but he was having these thoughts well before he started any type of drugs. So, I mean, we, we talked about that. He was nine when he started thinking about this. And I think in the four years between when he was nine and when he was 13, those thoughts just developed and he played out a scene in his head and Rebecca just got cast as the star of that production. And I think once he hit that, once he broke that taboo, you know, and he took another life, I think he kind of lived off that high for a little while. You know, I really do because it was two years you know, she was July of, was it her? He killed Rebecca on July 27th of 1987. And then September 1st of 1989, he waited. He knew what was in that house. He knew there were kids in that house. Right. You know, he knew. So I think that he was just, I think he escalated. You know, oh, yeah. I, I think he did. And, you know, it's, it's weird. So he picked vulnerable, oh, yeah. vulnerable targets. Absolutely. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was well, doing. I mean, as you stated, you know, because Price was arrested a month before his 16th birthday, he was tried and sentenced as a minor, which, as you stated, under Rhode Island law meant he would be released and his record sealed when he turned 21. So during mm-hmm. that time, he bragged that he would make history upon release. And even before he mm-hmm. was released, he has made history. He is known as the youngest serial killer in U.S. history. So mm-hmm. while he yeah. was in prison, he racked up several additional charges. And, you know, like you said, people oh, were yeah. pissed that he was only getting five years for mm-hmm. the murder, murder of four people. So what happened is Jeffrey Price, who was an assistant attorney general at the time of Price's crimes, he founded Citizens Opposed to Release of Craig Craig Price, otherwise known as CORE, Mm C-O-R-P. 
Oh, I'm sorry. This was formed by Detective Kevin Collins, who actually had assisted in taking Pine's confession. Mm -hmm. So there were a ton of like governmental officials who, you know, wanted something done about this. So as I stated, Jeffrey Pine, who was the assistant attorney general at the time of the crimes, he became attorney general in 1992. And even though a law was passed after Craig Price was was sentenced, you know, that would allow minors to be charged as adults for serious crimes, they couldn't backtrack this to Craig Price. So yep, yep, that's a Craig, that's right. a Craig Price law. And they actually refer to it as the Craig, you know how you have like yeah. Code Adam and you know those type of things. That's actually what it's called. And he was, I know we're going to get into it. When I was in college, I had an adjunct professor who actually worked at Rhode Island uh, Training School, which is the juvenile Mm -hmm. detention center in Rhode Island. They created a maximum security portion to that, that facility. And they call it the Craig Price Center. The maximum, she that that's what she said. That's the Craig Price building. That they made a special. His crimes and his behavior was so violent and so antisocial. They went from basically you're it's a mid level correctional type facility for for juveniles to having a maximum security full lockdown portion. Because of Craig Price. Well, you know, it's interesting because Craig Price, while he was in prison, he was a model, like when he was in the juvenile detention center, he was a model prisoner. He got his GED. Mm -hmm. They allowed him to do security on the center. He started taking college courses in preparation for when he got out so he could get a decent job. You know, he was a model prisoner. However, you know, even President Clinton you know, came to Rhode Island and addressed the people there because people were so, you know, outraged, terrified about him getting out when he was 21. Mm -hmm. So they started getting really creative about how they could hold him in prison past his 21st birthday. They actually charged him for crimes while in prison that have never been charged before on an inmate because it's basically you know, expected behavior of the inmates. So what happened was, you know, Pine, who became the attorney general in 1992, he started getting really creative and he was filing charges against Price every single chance he got. So in 94, he filed contempt charges on Price for failure to take a psychiatric evaluation. Now, Again, this is another one almost never been done because he was, he didn't, he refused to take these psyche vows on the advice of his attorneys because they knew if he failed it, they could keep him for the rest of his life in a mental institution. Yes, that, that was it. And that was the, they were trying to go through the psych portion of it because that right. was the loophole that he could be committed exactly. indefinitely. But he refused to take so, it, so they filed yeah. contempt charges on him. So they had, you know, they had a trial that added, I think, an additional one or two years to his sentence. Mm-hmm. So after that, 
Pine filed extortion charges on Price for threatening a corrections officer, which is something that had literally never been done before because these correction officers get threatened on a daily basis by like every single inmate. Yeah, I went through, I mean, I, I listed it. We're talking in February of 96, he was charged with assault on a prisoner right. and a guard. I was getting there. In October, <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just, but I, I, I like it. But if you look at the these listen, and when you're talking about expected behavior, we don't really hear about inmates getting charged, like exactly. additional charges for assaulting prison guards. Normally, what happens is that if somebody assaults a prison guard, they get thrown into mm-hmm. solitary. You know, sometimes they get a couple months added on. Like if they were going up for parole in, in a couple months, well, that parole right. chance is gone. Like they, they, you know, all that stuff is um, usually done without court involvement. But you're right. I mean, the feeling in Rhode Island was he is a monster. And if he gets out, exactly. he will kill again. You know, that's that's really, uh, you know, we talked about Eileen Warnos being called monster. And I didn't feel like that was an appropriate label for her. But it was absolutely dead on oh, accurate yeah. for Craig Price. Well, they even had a so, trial. On this extortion charge, you know, the prosecutor didn't feel very good about it because it was a very weak case. Again, they had never charged a prisoner with extortion for threatening a guard. So, yeah, Price was actually found guilty actually days before his 21st birthday. After. And I remember that. Because it was like in the mm-hmm. papers, you know, keeping him. And that was like, everybody's like, oh, thank yeah. God. And, you know, and I, I, when I talk about everyone and I'm talking about Warwick, East Greenwich, West Greenwich, Coventry and North Kingston area, because that was really that was really my area that I was in. And I remember the talks about this. And, you know, that was like 94 when that happened. and. I was I was a young mom. I was a young single mom with a baby at home. So yeah, do I want somebody who has shown absolutely no remorse about killing women and children behind bars? <laughs> yes, yeah. you betcha. I sure as hell do. Yeah. Right. So after the verdict was read, he started ranting about how he had paid his dues to society and that he was being prosecuted due to his race. So this is another time that his race came up because he swore that they were only doing this because he was black. The judge sentenced Price to another... Yeah, the violent murders of two children no, had nothing, nothing to do nope, with it. Nothing. Nope. Just yeah. because you're black. Stay there. Lord. Yeah. So the judge sentenced him to and another 15 he- years. He had to serve seven, and then mm-hmm. eight would be suspended. However, <laughs> <laughs> that didn't right. quite go as well. I, you know, it's funny. We addressed this in our very first episode about Craig, you know, the elephant in the room to discuss race and to have this as a normal conversation. Having been in Rhode Island, I've heard racially based mm-hmm. events. I, you know, I've I've heard about about things. I remember the O.J. Simpson trial, and you can hear some things about race, and you can hear other things. With Craig Price, I never heard it being about yeah, his race. Yeah, I don't think it was at all. You know, even at the time, and it really, I don't really feel, that's why I said in the beginning, 
if everything was exactly the same and he was born white into a white middle class family, I feel that he would still have done these crimes because there was just right. how he's made. I don't really feel that saying he did this because of his race is appropriate. I, I find that actually I think anybody who would say, oh, he only did this because he was black, that yeah. would be offensive. Like that would be something that I would be offended Absolutely. about, you know, as the mother of a black man to say like, no, 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 no. You know, violence does violence right. doesn't know a color. It, it doesn't know that. And, you know, we have a, a long list of people and crimes and situations that we're going to talk about that race, you know, race, ethnicity, nothing. I doesn't think play a part. Like we've got, it doesn't play a part. It's just, you know, it happens to be something. And like I said, I don't feel like his, his victims were chosen right. based on race. I think they were chosen because they're a target. They were single women alone. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, honestly, he was so not intimidated by them that he went in mm -hmm. without a weapon. Like he went in to find a weapon, you know, that's yeah. So right. yeah. <laughs> so while he's in prison for this additional, these mm -hmm. additional charges, this additional time, he does stab another inmate, and in the mean, in in the process, mm -hmm. nips a guard's hand, and of course, because nobody wants mm -hmm. him getting out of prison, he's now charged with assault on a guard. So he gets additional mm -hmm. time added to his sentence. So as it stands right now, I believe his scheduled release date is December of 2022. Thus far, because he's right now, he is in Florida. Oh, I he's didn't here read in Florida. that. Yeah, he, that in 4-4-2017, he went to, he was arrested. Well, here he was charged again. So attempted stabbing of Joshua Davis, who was a fellow inmate. And that was here in Florida, and that was, he but was, that was charged. When he also nicked the guard's hand. Yeah, was it because he's got one, two, three, four? He's got four other assaults yeah. against prison guard charges. Like I said, in ninety six, mm -hmm. ninety eight, ninety nine, and two thousand nine. Yeah. So it was the one in two thousand nine where he had attempted to stab another inmate with a mm -hmm. shiv that he made himself yep. and during that attempt he nicked the hand of the guard so like i said they've been getting yeah, very then, creative yeah in charging him in order to get more time yeah but he he and then he got it again on april 4th of 2017 he was charged and he got and that was here in florida he got 25 years so 10 years of those would be on probation. So he had to serve 15 yeah. and then would and be on That's on another that, really so. interesting thing because I read that I think during the the assault charge, the, the most recent one, the 2009 one, they actually charged him with a violation of probation, which I don't understand how they could mm -hmm. do because he was still in prison at that time. He wasn't on probation, but they charged him with a violation of probation and added more time. Yep, yep. That's something I want to Here talk to Spencer I'm about because I want to know how that happens. Yeah. Yep. He here's an article. I'm going to send it to you. This is on uh, Wink, basically the Wink News. Turn to ten dot com. 
Craig Price pleads guilty to attempted murder in Florida. So that that one, admitted killer Craig Price pleaded guilty Friday to attempted murder in Florida and was sentenced to 25 years in prison. So yeah, he will serve the sentence. He is here. He's here in Florida. He's been locked up here since 2004. I don't really know why he was transferred here. But I think what I remember, they were like, he's got to get out. He's got to get out of Rhode Island. We don't want want there. So, yeah, it, it's right here. He, yeah, that's, I'm going to send this to you. But, yeah, he's still yeah. in jail. And he's at the Florida State Prison in Rufford, Florida. And it does not look like he has a release well, I, date. It's at like this every time. source I looked at had a different release date. There was one that said December of 2020, mm-hmm. and then another one I read that said December of 2022, and that was the latest one that I had read. So I didn't see yep. another release date after that. Yeah, because there was a price April 2020, and like I said, it was they're just not letting him out. I don't blame them. I mean. I mean, the man bragged that he was going to make history when he got out. So I wouldn't let him out either. Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, let's see. Yeah. And there's a lot of, and I think what it is, this uh, National Organization of Victims of Juvenile Murderers. So he's still in there. He's still, you know, and here's the thing. When you look at this, when you look at Craig Price, when you take a look at his picture, he doesn't look like a killer. Like, he, he doesn't, doesn't look menacing. scary, he you looks... know? No, he looks like, like, just your normal, your yeah. normal big dude. Like, you know? Oh, no, okay. Price was transferred out of state at his own request and is serving oh, okay. a sentence in Florida. I'm surprised they let him do that. So, he, yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, Rhode Island did not want him released oh, no. back into well, Rhode Island. We don't want him like released in Florida <laughs> either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we don't, we don't want that. So, so. Yeah. Yep. He. Yeah. He's. He's still in there. Yeah. He's. He's, he's just. just out. He really is. Like I said, it's. We don't really sit there and look. I, I don't see an actual release date. And you know, Rhode Island, uh, Florida is also one of those. You know, Florida does a lot of weird shit, but it's also shockingly and don't fuck around, find out state. And there's certain mm-hmm. things you don't fuck around with. And I think that Florida is going to kind of pull the same thing Rhode Island did. And I think if he gets close to it, he was not somebody that was discussed to be released with when COVID hit. So that's that's good. Yeah. Nobody yeah. wants him out of jail. So those were the crimes of Craig Price. And Spencer will join us next week. We'll discuss more about the laws and the psychology surrounding Mr. Price. Yeah. and. Yeah, like I said, it's a very fascinating, very, very fascinating case for me. But I'm starving. All right. (laughs) I need food. Yeah, we all need food. I don't know. I don't know what I need. I need a day without fuckery. That's that's what I need, and that's just not happening. A fuckery-free day. Yeah, that'll never, never, ever, ever happen for me. So there's that. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. And next week, we will be joined by Spencer. Don't forget to rate our podcast if you've enjoyed what you've been listening to. Follow us on Twitter at dbthepod. Send us an email at disturbingbehaviorsthepodcast at gmail.com. 
follow us on Instagram, Disturbing Behaviors, and join our Facebook discussion group, Disturbing Behaviors Discussion Group. <laughs> I'm super yeah. creative. There's, there's a theme here. There's yeah, a theme I was, here. I was really creative so. when naming that discussion group page. So, you, yeah. Yeah, you really were. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, guys.